Global Business News 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by Eisner Amper. When entrepreneurs face challenges like choosing a business structure or access to capital, they call the accountants and advisors at Eisner Amper. Connect with them, EisnerAmper.com slash tech. Global stocks are dropping as a slump in Chinese exports drag commodity prices lower and brought equities five-day winning streak to a halt. Japanese government bonds are surging in a haven asset rally that is lifting the yen, gold, and treasuries. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures down 8.5 points. Dow E-mini futures down 60. NASDAQ E-mini futures down 22. The DAX in Germany is down half percent. Ten-year treasury up 16.30 seconds. The yield 1.84 percent. NYMEX crude oil down a tenth of a percent or four cents. COMEX gold up nine tenths percent or $11.20. The euro $1.1015. The yen 113.0. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Thank you, Karen Moscow. Uh, joining us now, Dominic Constum. He's Global Head of Rates Research at Deutsche Bank. And let's uh, have you put on your uh, global hat because the big issue of the week is the European Central Bank and what they're going to do. You're on record as saying they're going to do more, but it may not be what many in the market thinks. It's not necessarily going to be a, a deep cut in uh, the deposit rate. Right. So the concern uh, recently has obviously been uh, negative rates and the extent to which they may be hurting uh, the financial system, uh, although, uh, on the other hand, and uh, helping the economy. Um, and the issue is if they cut too deeply, some people are going to perhaps worry again about uh, the, the f- uh, financial system in terms of uh, profitability uh, being a concern for raising capital and things like that. Well, the question is, on the other side, uh, do they – even have an impact. We are not seeing a big increase in bank lending in uh, countries where they have imposed, in, in larger open economies where they have imposed negative rates. Well, I think some people look at uh, Sweden and Switzerland as uh, negative rates actually being quite helpful. Uh, I think the issue uh, there has been the structure of the balance sheets of the banks, whereby uh, perhaps they have sort of higher loan deposit ratios in contrast to, say, uh, the Japanese system and perhaps some of the uh, other uh, core European banks. So I think it's an open debate. So certainly the policymakers are on record as being quite constructive on uh, how uh, negative interest rates are helping the economy and have the potential to, 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 to raise lending. Growth. Potential, but the proof is not there yet. Uh, not, not, not definitively, but perhaps going in that direction. Mm. Uh, so I wouldn't rule it out. And uh, I think the only issue is uh, comes down to spreads, basically, the idea that uh, you know, banks are constrained mm-hmm. to some extent on the deposit side because they can't pass through those negative rates. Uh, and perhaps uh, there's a transitional phase whereby the assets that they're buying, uh, you know, they've got to be encouraged to, to, to take on uh, sort of assets that are yielding more, which obviously means a little bit more risky, but those, those mm. riskier loans are perhaps more supportive to growth. It's always great when you're on. Out on Twitter, somebody said, Dominic Constant, he's a socialist. (laughs) And, of course, you know, it's an analysis of balance sheet dynamics. There's an American strand, a Lockean American ethos, everyone for themselves, and if we had less taxes, things would solve out. It's sort of of a pseudo-supply-side feel. Can America move forward given the realities of global balance sheets? And, and just the, the mass, the, the inertial mass of the global system, that, that 19th century American spirit. 
can yeah, it retain? Well, I mean, uh, I'm definitely not a socialist. <laughs> Everyone who knows me, <laughs> um, uh, I'm a libertarian though. And I guess my only issue uh, is I sort of understand the role that sort of uh, socialist economics has, and I and there is a certain logic to uh, when you have a problem, how you deal with it, and having to just accept that there needs to be some sort of transfer. Uh, if you're you know, so we have a we have a low growth problem and we have some debt. Okay, problems. so we got Draghi on Thursday. Right. He He's working within different flavors and sets of austerity, or at the minimum with one hand tied behind his back, with no fiscal effort, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's he's in a really difficult position uh, in the sense that he's uh, he's the only person who's really sort of doing the heavy lifting in terms of uh, um, European growth and trying to sort of keep the whole the whole, uh, the, whole uh, uh, the whole union together and being challenged from left and right, including the, the Brexit issue. Um, but, but I mean, I think within that confines, he's doing a pretty good job uh, and he is delivering. And uh, I think the key thing for Draghi is to basically make it clear that he understands all the issues that people have. So, for example, regarding uh, the role of banks and uh, banks being profitable enough to sustain growth in the broader economy. He understands that. He doesn't have to necessarily do anything explicit about it. But he needs to make people feel comfortable that if it becomes an issue later on, then, then he's, the, he's there to help out, basically. If they uh, don't do a significant cut in uh, the deposit rate and they do more QE, as you suggest, how are they going to do that? They're at a point where they're, they're going to have trouble buying bonds right. in certain company, countries. Well, well, remember, I mean, they, they can also cut the refi rate as well. So that's going to be perhaps the most interesting thing because there the refi rate is slightly above zero. I mean, you could take it negative. People may complain, that, oh, look, you're paying banks to borrow money uh, from, from the ECB. But then obviously if the banks are then taking that and, and on lending it in a more aggressive way, then that will be very good for profitability. So they could do that. The QE thing is uh, there's lots of things they can do in QE. I mean, they are, once they cut the deposit rate, they can buy more bonds because there is a limit to what they can buy uh, if anything's trading below the deposit rate. So they've got that. And they can obviously signal other types of assets that they may be willing but to buy. To, to what you said two hours ago, is demand there for that new money? It's a demand issue, yeah. as you stated. Yeah, I mean, it's really. Di- I mean, I don't think it's really difficult. I mean, I, I take I take an example where you know, if I were to pay you to take a mortgage from me, you know, would you do it? And I do that with, when I have client meetings. I go and I ask the room, you know, how many of you would you know, take a loan if I was going to pay you one percent? And you know, a few people will get up and say, oh, definitely not, you know, because I have to pay this back, you know, sort of thing. And uh, all, all some people will say, well, you know, more more subtly, some people will say, well, yeah, but if uh, rates are going to continue to fall, maybe I'll delay, for example. You know, I don't necessarily want to lock it in now. And they may have credit issues of refinancing and things like that. So, so there are those more subtle issues. But in general, most people would, would, would borrow, would, would take the loan. So I'm not entirely convinced that, uh, you know, there's, there's always a demand problem. And I keep coming back to one of my basic economic tenets, which is supply creates its own demand. If you supply these loans, someone will probably take them. But you've got to supply them at the right price. Brilliant. I'll take a loan. <laughs> it's got to be so the right that, price, though. That is our weekly briefing from Dominic Constant. Yeah. Okay. Good to have you in. Dominic Constant with Deutsche Bank, had a rate strategy uh, there, and uh, just terrific work over the years into, during, and out of this crisis. It just, it, it, it just never gets dull, Mike. Uh, I, mean, I wish it would. <laughs> yeah, well, it's sure not. I wish it would for a little while. Three-month T-bill, 0.30%. <laughs> Ten-year yield, 1.85%. I believe we're still ultra-accommodative in this way or that way. Stay with us. More of Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning. 
Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by Bank of America. Merrill Lynch, committed to bringing higher finance to lower carbon, named the most innovative investment bank for climate change and sustainability by the banker. That's the power of global connections. Bank of America, NAFDIC.